Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Black and White Reviews. Uh-huh. I am Lee. And I am Will. And together we are the guys from Black and White Productions. Uh, so we are actually back. It's been quite some time. Uh, I'm going to say pretty much what was the last thing we did. Did we do anything after Mandalorian? I think that's the only thing we did, and then we went on a so. massive hiatus because the world ended. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Which is funny because du- during... <laughs> I think what's funny is during during this whole time, so many people had more time on their hands because they were home, and then, you know, they were like, oh, and they're going online and doing, like, music stuff online. For me, uh, I found myself busier, you know? Yeah. I definitely had some times where I, I did read two books, which was nice. I don't usually have time to sit there and just read, uh, one of which I loaned you, and you still haven't even read past page uh, chapter one, so um, hopefully we can get through there at some point. <laughs> well, full, full, So we can full, talk about it, man. Full disclosure, uh, the hiatus <laughs> was actually my doing because after everything went down, just stress plagued my life, and I just I couldn't bring myself to do very much of anything. I'm not going to get too personal. That's the gist of it. Uh, so apologies. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I already dude. No apologies necessary. No, me and you. Me and you talked about that. We had that out, and I did apologize to you and anybody else who was listening. I offer that up to anybody else completely. I uh, just I went through a really rough time mentally, and that's really all I'm comfortable getting into. Maybe well, maybe one day down the line. Maybe one day down the line I'll get more detailed, but for now, we'll just leave it at that. And we're back now to talk about the new we're season back. of The Mandalorian. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've been pumped up about this for so long. I've been so excited. And, <clears throat> I mean, I, we're, this is episode nine, technically, cha- or chapter nine, The Marshal. Mm. Um, I mean, of all the things that have happened with, with COVID and everything like that, um, not a lot has come out that's gotten me excited as far as entertainment stuff. Um, right. There was the Bill and Ted movie that came out that was like, okay, you know, it, I'm not going to say it was the greatest movie ever, but it was definitely just like, I, I'm happy that it happened. I'm happy that it came out. I'm happy it was one of the few that came out around the t- around this time. But in reality, I've been looking so much, like so forward to Mandalorian season two because it just, it had such a great, um, you know, introduction premiere season. Um, mm-hmm. And even just the final episode, you're like, oh, I can't wait to see where we're going to go with this. And, uh, you know, all, all the little Easter eggs, all the little things that were happening in the end of the, of the first season leading up to, you know, what we're, we're seeing a little bit in this episode. And I'm just, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah. No, absolutely. Stoked. So That's am the I. third time I've ever um, used that term. <laughs> so I watched this episode and I had to go back and I had to watch it again. Um, we're going to mm. get into it, but I spent the entire episode looking for somebody suspicious because mm. the episode begins with him going to Tatooine and then you get the whole mention of the Surlac pit and, and you see some guy, you know, the, the Marshall character played by Timothy Oliphant and he's wearing Boba Fett's armor. So from that yeah. point on, I, my first viewing of this episode, I did not pay attention to much of the plot. I was too busy looking in the background for somebody suspicious. And then you get that one Sam person who's like kind of like standing on a rock or a cliff and he's just looking uh-huh. ominously. And I was like, that's the guy. That's the guy. But that wasn't the guy. So what? whatever. And then I went back and I watched it again. Um, this was actually a really good episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think 
it's much the production value has certainly gone up from the first season. Oh yeah. Just just by the way that and I'm blanking on the name, but that sand monster or whatever it was looked phenomenal. The crate dragon. The crate dragon the crate was dragon, awesome. Thank you. It yeah. looked phenomenal, and the whole end sequence with the battle and the way that they blew it up, and he got eaten, which was very Men in Blackish. I, I mean, oh it yeah, was, it <laughs> it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. <laughs> I'm like, I've seen I, this before. <laughs> exactly. We've yeah, we've seen this before. But yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. I was surprised to see Timothy Oliphant in, in this episode because he's currently he's currently playing. Uh, a martial type character on the season of Fargo and I'm enjoying him on there as well. So he's definitely he's making the rounds right now. I'm I'm surprised. Well, didn't he play another character recently too uh, on a show it was a was it not Deadwood or something like that. Justified. Wasn't he in a show Justified? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was on Justified it was same kind of same kind of thing. Yeah. Same kind of thing on there and I believe he was in Deadwood. I'm not okay. 100%. I believe he was in Deadwood 2, and I don't know anything about that show. I never watched it. But yeah. Yeah. He's uh See so so for me, I'll say personally westerns. Um I've never been a huge western fan unless it has like I I've always really enjoyed um western sci-fi crossovers. I mean, obviously whatever. You got Back to the Future. Um I, and as bad as it was, Cowboys and Aliens was a very creative you know, idea. I mean, that was what mm-hmm. Daniel Craig and, and Harrison Ford. I, I think I've watched it once. Now I kind of want to revisit it. But I mean, just having that sci-fi Western feel is is a really interesting take where you get like the old timey West with this new futuristic sci-fi. You're mixing two genres that you normally don't see together. And I, I think, think that's what get, makes. I think you're well, that's what makes people. this episode so great. Yeah, I think you're going to get some people who are going to combat you on that and say, well, Wild Wild West was garbage. Yeah, well, we, I didn't talk about Wild Wild West, did I? Did I say that? <laughs> First of all, that was supposed to be Superman Lives, if you recall. That that whole project that fell apart, the guy who was yeah. pretty much running it, um, he ended up going off and doing Wild Wild West instead and using a lot of the, the production stuff he was going to use for the Superman movie. But then again, that would have been Nicolas Cage out there. I'm going to save the planet. Ah, you know, like, I'm so glad. That <laughs> I'm glad it didn't happen, but I wish I could just visit the alternate reality where it did happen. Just so I could mm. view it for once and then just go about my life, you know, as if it never happened again. But anyway, that's getting pretty far off. But I think the best thing about this episode, this episode is 100% space western. Like, the yeah. show's always kind of had that feel to it, but this one was like, you know, he goes into the, you know, the old abandoned-looking town. You know, not too many people around. It's not even on the map. He walks in there, and they got a marshal with his little bandana wearing some old busted-up Mandalorian armor that he picked up off of some Jawas, you know, because he stole somebody's crystals. Like, the whole thing is just, like, screams this is a Western. And it was so cool. You know, I, I think they did a great job with it, and I, I'm just, I'm very pumped. Um, to see where they're going to go with it further, because I feel like every episode brought, um, of the, of season one at least, brought a whole new feel to where they're going, but they weren't so far off where it didn't feel like you're watching the, sh- the same show. Mm. Um, I-, I keep thinking back to that one episode that was just so cool where they're, um, they're trying to break that guy out of prison. You got, um, uh, was it Bill Burr was in it? And yeah. um, they were trying to break the guy out of the prison, and... Once they they betray Mando, um, or Jin, uh, Din, Din Djarin, 
um, once they betray him, it turns into a horror movie with him taking them out one by one. And I was like, this is so good. It was just so well put together. And I think that goes, you know, with saying, like, you've got people, different people are taking the director's seat, which is nice, you know. And it's not, it's not, it's not like you watch many, many other shows where it's like, oh, this season was directed by so-and-so or half of this season was directed by so-and-so. Like, they, they even though John Favreau is, like, writing and, you know, pretty much creating this whole thing, he's giving other people a chance to kind of take the reins on the directing and it's 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 perfect. They've done such a great job. I can't think of any stinker episodes. So this one, just it was a great way to start it back up, you know. And especially, um, I I've always wanted to see more of the Tuscan Raiders, you know, the Sand People for the layman. Yes. And um, I wanted to see more Sand People action. Um, I've I've only read about two chapters of one of the books, uh, um, by uh, Kevin Anderson, Dark Saber, and it starts off with basically Luke and Han and they're dressed up as sand people and they're like riding in their caravan because they need to get to a certain place. And it was just really cool to, to, to get that, you know, just that feel of like what it's like to be that close to Tusken Raiders because we just know they're barbarians, you know, they, they, you can't reason with them. You know, they're animals as that, you know, <laughs> as animals said, and I slaughter them like animals. Um, but it was great to see them in this episode where it's like, you know, they they respect the Mandalorians. You know, he speaks uh, Tuscan or, you know, Raidarian, whatever you want to call it. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was, I thought that was great um, altogether. It was just, it was cool to see that that level of, of sand person. Because all you ever see from them is them basically, <laughs> and then, you know, move on. You know, and that's that's about it. So it was really great to see them, like, strategize and, and work together. And, you know, they had their little blazing saddles moment, like, we won't work with the Irish, you know, it's like, no, we won't, because they're, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, they got together, they, they sucked it up, you know, obviously there's a war between the, uh, the most Pelgoans and the Raiders, they sucked it up and they fought together, and, you know, for the same purpose, because they had, a, they had a, the same enemy. Well, yeah, they had so. the same enemy, and what I found, what I found really interesting about the Sand People in this episode was, well, actually, two things. One, it like you said, it humanized them a lot because the only real mm. thing that we get from the Sand People is something out of A New Hope, and they mm. are portrayed to kind of be, you know, animals. And right. in this episode, in this episode of The Mandalorian, they're very much humanized, and it made me, it made me question a couple of things about the Star Wars the Star Wars universe, like, why wasn't Obi-Wan able to do the same thing? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, why wasn't Obi-Wan yeah. able to reason with them or something like that? And I'm really hoping that maybe we'll get some answers to that with an upcoming Disney show that I'm really excited for. Um, I lost my train of thought. Well, Another thing that I wanted I, to bring up is you spoke <laughs> before about, you know, John Favreau being behind this whole thing. He actually directed this episode. Ooh, mm-hmm. so that could yeah. be you know a reason why this has such a a western feel. I don't know how he feels about westerns or anything like that. I don't know why I just said that, but um. Well, I mean, I feel he he set this whole show up to be a space western, you know, to a point. He's going around, he's doing this the stuff, and it just the way he, that it's all kind of together. It's a very western true. feel, whether it's like in the old west, in the desert, or whatnot. But this even looked like a western, and that's what made this episode like, whoa, that's cool. 
Yeah, I kind of, I kind of want to go back now to season one and just watch his episode specifically to see if there are similar feels. Right, right. Because it's, it's this, this, this entire thing from beginning to end was phenomenal, especially when we get, we get to the beginning and you know the green guys they're having this massive sword fight and then they sit down with a cyclops and. Oh yeah, the Gamorians. Yeah, 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 the Gamorians doing the underground fighting. Yeah, that was cool. And I, d- I mean, you Gor- know so co- all of the so terminology. I've I've done my homework. Um, okay. And actually, if if you read the book I loaned you, <laughs> oh, wow. you would know. Um, so it's my fault. But yeah. Oh well, you know, it's just like it's just like really any book you go through. I mean, you if you if you read the Lord of the Rings, it's a lot easier to understand who these people are if you're reading them than just watching the movie because you go. What's their name again? Like it's one of like this, you know, one of this race or whatever it is. But yeah, and if you read the books, you get a little bit more of an understanding because they start describing them, and then it kind of sticks better. But I mean, so Gore Koresh there, the guy that he's who's um, he's trying to like, you know, get some information off in the underground fighting. You know, that was John Leguizamo. Oh, was it really? Yeah, and it's funny because I, you know, I had to rewatch it, and I'm just like, okay, well, I can hear in like in the inflection in his in, in the voice that I'm like, okay, that sounds like John Leguizamo could totally do that. That is him, um, but the difference is they obviously modified his voice. Right. So it's funny that you got somebody as big as John Leguizamo and and uh, just to play the voice of a character, right? And to modify his voice, I'm like, how much did they pay him for that? <laughs> you know, to, to use his modified voice, you know, and not even not even his likeness. I just thought that was interesting. You know, as far as movie making or, you know, in this case, you know, show making goes, like, how does that actually work out in that case? But, um, yeah, it, well, it was a it, it was a great it's, scene. <laughs> it's Disney. I'm sure they have a lot of money to play with. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here you go. <laughs> You want money? I've got tons of money. <laughs> so, um, he has his little interrogation scene, which I, I thought was very similar to the first episode we saw, you know, in you know, the episode one or chapter one of The Mandalorian from season one, where he bumps into, uh, I forgot the character's name there, but Horatio Sands played him, and he was like, you know, catching the bounty on him. So, this kind of had that same feel where he's, he's somebody turns on him and then he goes all bounty hunter on him which was cool yeah you know um he he, he was soon I'm, I'm watching it with my kids and and I, and I started like I I think I giggled like a little girl when he started doing the grappling hook thing out of his out of his arm and everything and I'm like oh this is just so awesome you know just just seeing all this stuff come back out again just these weapons are so great they're they're so simple but they're so awesome it's like James Bond in Star Wars you know he's got everything he needs. You know, I, I always love that, that, you know, the mindset of like, if you have the right tools, you can do any job. And in right. the beginning, we saw him get his butt handed to him a bunch of times. I mean, think about um, before he got the new armor and there was that, um, oh, I forgot what it was called. The, the insignia that's on his arm now, right? Was that the thing that he, the, the Rhyhorn thing, um, the yes. Rhydon, whatever it was called. Yeah, um, I mean, he, got, he, got, he got the missiles. Oh yeah, dude. He everything everything yeah. was just Oh, it's just it's so well put together. So right before everything uh starts to go down in that scene, I love the little subtlety that baby Yoda just kind of closes his doors because he knows everything is about to go down. It Oh yeah. In, oh yeah. In, in my opinion, <laughs> in my opinion, that little scene right there speaks volumes to how insipatico mm-hmm. baby Yoda and the Mandalorian are right now. 
Oh yeah. I yeah, and, and I totally. really hope they I really hope they explore that a, a lot more. And then the most frightening thing in this episode is like right after everything is done, after everything has gone down, you know, you got dude, you got you, I, I'm horrible with names. You got Cyclops there who gets strung up by a lamppost. He shoots the light out, and then all these red eyes out of nowhere just swarm this poor guy. And that that's that's terrifying to me. Oh, that, that was that horrifying. was nuts. Oh yeah, totally, totally. But it was cool because at that point he's like Tatooine, and Mando gets all upset. Like, dude, I was just there. Are you kidding me? Tatooine again? You know. So you and I last season. I remember you and I went back and forth, back and forth quite a few times about Boba Fett and is uh, he or isn't uh-huh. he, and now he's I going back you. to Tatooine. And when I heard that he's going back to Tatooine, I was like, God, Lee was right. They're going to bring Boba Fett uh-huh. back to the <laughs> I couldn't stomach it. I was very upset. <laughs> I will be honest. I was why very would, upset. Why would Disney not capitalize on the most like cult classic character in Star Wars? Like, Boba Fett is, um, like, not very prominent in the original Star Wars trilogy, yet for some reason everybody loved him. You know, it was simple, he was quiet. I'm just, I'm not a fan of bringing people back from the dead. Well, he wasn't really dead. Or if you are, (laughs) he got swallowed by a Sirlac, he was dead. If or uh-huh. or if you're going to bring somebody back from the dead, make it cost something, like what they're doing in the MCU. So, I mean, to bring Gamora back, it costs mm-hmm. um, it costs Star Lord something. He doesn't have mm-hmm. that anymore, so it, it's it's a little bit more meaningful. <laughs> Here, it's like you said, Disney's just capitalizing on it, and I mean, we don't know everything yet, but on the surface level, it's looking like they're just bringing him back to capitalize on his lore. And, and his popularity, yeah. despite him not having a whole lot to do in the original trilogy. It's just, I don't know, thing, little things like that, they bug me. I personally, I did not want to see him back in the show, but it's looking like we're going to get him back in the show. <laughs> yep. And, yep. I mean, obviously we know we've got Timura Morrison who's playing him, but we'll get there anyway. But, I mean, we're not really just sitting there going through some kind of format of, like, here's how it goes, here's how it goes. But in reality, there were so many really cool things that happened here. Um, I liked the little Easter eggs that were thrown in there. I mean, obviously, when um, when uh, his character there, Cobb Vanth, that's uh, Timothy Oliphant's character, when he's mm-hmm. there talking about, like, how things happened, how the town got into the state that it's in with um, the, the miners there who came in. Uh, what were they? What they call them? The, the mining something, whatever. They came in and, but it was right after the second Death Star blew up. It's like okay, and you're you're seeing like images from you know Return of the Jedi. You're like okay, and it's just it's cool because you're getting to see how it's all connected and not just oh random stuff. You know something else happened, but we're starting to get a lot more connection to the original trilogy, which. Um, I read something recently. That's what they're really trying to go for here, but not not to overdo it, but to give you more context so you get like how the original trilogy affected this and how this is affecting the stuff that's going to eventually go to like Force Awakens, for example. You know anything afterwards? But it's not going to be over the top because I, I don't I don't see Favreau doing anything that's going to be just obsessing over the originals for fan service. Um, so I I, I, I think that see- he's. He could he could tap dance on that line, but I don't think he's going to. 
I don't no, I don't want to see it go over the top, but I do think that, you know, what happened to regular people after the Empire fell is important. And I do kind of want to see a little bit more of that from, you know, different exactly. perspectives. I thought the way that they did it here, you know, yes, a a corrupt a corrupt government fell and that's just, you know, now criminals all across the galaxy are gonna feel free to do whatever they wanna do. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me. I want to see. I I want to see a little bit more of that. I wouldn't mind that at all. But like you said, yeah. I don't want. I also don't want them to go over the top either. Like, you know, don't don't bring in a bunch of Jedi all of a sudden out of nowhere and be like, "Hey, we were <laughs> hiding out." And no, I don't. That that would be a little. Oh bit man, over yeah. The top. That would be ridiculous because the whole point is like you know, last Jedi. It's like we know the Jedi Order was taken out. Don't try to resurrect them and then change things. You know, that's a huge. That would be a huge issue, um, and I think right. it would lose a lot of fans because at that point you're basically just like, you know, poop it all over people. <laughs> no, I agree. But um, I think um, I think everything was really interesting. I mean, how he got the gear. I get like I said earlier from the Jawas. You know, because right, right off the bat, when you see his character, he walks in there like, oh, you mean the marshal? He walks in, takes off the helmet, and he's like, oh, bet you're wondering why I'm wearing a Mandalorian's armor. It's like, yeah, you better say something because you just took your mask off, dude. Really? <laughs> and that is not the way. And it's, you know, at first, when I first heard news that, that Timothy Oliphant was in it, I'm just like, that's interesting. And, they, and somebody was saying, he's going to be Boba Fett. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. That's what you know, I thought, why, too. That's what I, know. I thought too. Oh, actually, you told and me when, that. Yeah, it's your fault. <laughs> and when he gives him, and when he gives him the whole story about how he found the, well, he bought the armor off of some Jawas, and and then you mm-hmm. go through the whole backstory about how he was wandering around in the desert. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't believe him. Yeah, the way that they, the way that they led that, they they played that whole thing through. It did not seem like it was a, it was real. It seemed like he was just spinning the yarn. You know. Exactly. But then you get to the end, and oh, he was telling the truth. Wow, he was being honest. That's that. That was a surprise. Yeah. So it's quite a surprise. I I I quickly, I quickly um, let go of that um, suspicion. I'll say okay. because it just it it wasn't leading anywhere beyond that. Like it seemed like it pretty much died right after they had the explanation. So at first, I kind of felt like, okay, what's what's he saying? Because the way that the way that he started it, it's just the way it was shot. It looked like he was about to make some stuff up. Yeah, well, they came in and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, there's more here. And then you watch the story and you're like, okay, this happened, that happened. Yeah, that all makes sense. So my suspicion was dropped pretty quickly. Um, one thing I thought was interesting, I feel like there was less Baby Yoda in this episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I Maybe I just, yeah. But when he was there, he was a lot more vocal. I thought that was interesting. So we got to hear more Baby Yoda, like more of his responses and not just his faces, but actually hear him vocally respond. Um, mm-hmm. Just in different you know, spots. I was like, okay, all right, pretty cool. Um, you mentioned something the crate Dragon in Obi-Wan. Something that I want to bring up before we move on. I just want to mm-hmm. um, give respect to Pedro Pascal and the way that he can body act without seeing oh, yeah. his face. When, when Timothy Oliphant takes off the helmet, you could just yeah. tell his body language is all shock and awe, and I just I, that right. kind of acting is amazing. It was incredible. I love that. That was probably my favorite yeah, scene in the episode. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think yeah. we've we've talked about that in the past. Just like when you can tell that he's like giving like this, I'm gonna kill you look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's but he's just standing there. 
It's like, how does he do yeah. that? It's like that is that is a that is a feat for an actor. I mean, to, it's one that it's one thing to be a, a silent actor, a silent comedian, or you know, silent anything like that. But to have your face totally covered and do that, that that takes some real skill. So um, I'll be very interested in seeing what else um, Pedro ends up doing. You know, after the after the um, after he moves on from this a little bit. I mean, obviously we know that he's got his fame from other stuff, but um, I- I'm interested in seeing where what else he does now that he's got this you know, under his belt as, as really great experience. Um, but I was going to say about, um, the crate dragon, you mentioned Obi-Wan and, and his, his situation with the, um, the Tusken Raiders. Um, well, I only said that, I only said that because it just, it seemed so easy for Mando to sit down and reason with them, but we see Obi-Wan in, in New Hope and the way that he interacts with them, and it's nothing on the same level at all. And it's just like, okay, you're right. a master Jedi, and you can't sit down and reason with them, but, you know, mm. a bounty hunter well, I can. think I think that's really that really comes down to a, um, Mandalorians are scarier than Jedi. I don't oh, know why. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's how they're making it seem. Like, Mandalorians are scarier than Jedi. And, I mean... Again, that can go back to some older Mandalorian lore and Jedi stuff um, to kind of mm-hmm. see that the the Jedi and the Mandalorian were were both you know they were warriors they were they were fighting for for what they fought for, um, and they were up there uh, to a to a pretty um, equal level to a point you know obviously Jedi are Jedi but the Mandalorians were were nothing to mess with. So, um, but the, the cool thing about that, about the whole Obi-Wan and the Tusken Raiders is Mandalorian, Mando, um, goes up there and talks to them and chills them out, um, which yes, is amazing. But Obi-Wan, he made the noise of that crate dragon. If you watch, if you watch the original movie, then that weird noise that Obi-Wan makes when he's saving Luke, mm-hmm. that, that's the same sound as the crate dragon. Yeah, compare it. I was I like, oh, wow. So when they heard that, they freaked out, like, here it comes, you know, because they knew it. And I think that's, I mean, obviously, we're thinking about back before, but then we're thinking about now. And in reality, yeah, totally capitalized on that sound. You're like, hey, what kind of thing we c- can we do that would freak out the Tuscan Raiders to make this episode? How about a giant crate dragon? Okay, what sound does it make? Well, duh, it's the same sound that Obi-Wan made. Um, now the interesting thing about that is that sound has changed over the years because of George Lucas, who has decided to change as much as he possibly can with most of his original films. You know, uh, we free <laughs> extra rocks in front of <laughs> R2 in the beginning of that exact same scene. And that sound has changed a few times. The sound that Obi-Wan mm. makes when he comes over the hill. Uh, to rescue Luke. So um, there is a version, and I want to say it's the original theatrical, um, that is the the same sound. And again, uh, my commendation over to Favreau for for being true to the original. Um, yeah, but yet, I'm, I'm I'm definitely gonna go look that one up. Oh that's yeah, that's really interesting. That's really interesting if that's the case. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think I mean again we can we can look at the entire Star Wars universe and say that like. Um, the last Skywalker used a bunch of stuff, and they did, but I really feel like this is a whole different vein. You know, it's the same body, but a whole different vein, and right. they're really trying to make this like, 
hit home for the original trilogy fans. Not just the people yeah. who like the franchise, but the original trilogy. Because you're that's getting such a real for. feel. And it's yeah, so good. You're right. And it is. That's it's why amazing. it's that's why it's so it's so well put together. I, I we can Something sit here else. and gush over this forever. I, I just I kind of wish we could finally find some stuff that we don't like about it. <laughs> something something else that I'm gonna bring up that we glossed over. So we uh, Mando lands on Tatooine and he goes up to a woman uh, who's running the the I'm gonna call it the auto body shop or the ship shop. Or oh yeah, Pelimoto. Yeah, Amy Sedaris. She's the girl from uh, from Strangers with Candy. Remember that show? Thank you. She yeah. has. The R5 unit from New yes. Hope. The yes, one that she does. blew up. This the R5 one with the bad motivator. Has a bad motivator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was clever. How about that one? That How about that really blue one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, I liked her, her response too when she saw Baby Yoda there. She was all giddy with delight. Thank the Force! You know, it's like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> That's kind of what, you know, it goes into that whole, like, that's what they they rely on for for um, their faith is the force. They have their faith in that force. It's very um, energy, spiritual, you know, type of, of faith system, but it's consistent um, in it, you know. So I thought that was kind of interesting the way they did it. Um, her character, interesting. It's nice that they brought her back um, just to, because if you're going to go back there here, you know, let the droids take a look at the ship. All right. Oh, you like droids now. Okay, I guess he's cool with droids. You know, hey, quit messing around, you know. Um, <clears throat> her character was interesting. She wanted to steal Baby Yoda. If he ever has kids or divides or something like that, make sure I get the offspring. Yeah. I'm kidding. No, I'm not, but I am. That. Yeah. I love the way. <laughs> if it ever divides. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I mean... I love that because it makes you think, like, okay, this is a sci-fi show, you know? And we've seen a lot of sci-fi movies where things divide and, you know, multiply in different ways. And it's like, okay, you know what? I don't know what other types of creatures are living in this this galaxy, this universe that's been created here. So I thought that was great. Um, but I don't know, man. If, yeah. If things start, if things start con- um, spontaneously multiplying in front of me. I don't know. That, that might be a bridge too far for me. <laughs> well, I, th- I think that's why they're just referencing it. You know, they're not, they're not going too deep into this weird sci-fi thing because that's what... Star Wars was never meant to be this overly sci-fi, look at this technology, look at these weird beings. It was about the story. And that's what made Star Wars so good. It wasn't, it wasn't how many weird things can we create. It's how can we create a story with this basic universe, you know? George Lucas created a basic universe, and from there, stories were created. You know, and now we have these shows, we have the, you know, the prequels, we have the, the new trilogy, you know, to finish off the whole Skywalker saga, and there hasn't been, like, this crazy technology introduced. It was, it was all pretty much based around what was already created. Nothing really new was introduced, and I think that's what's great about it. They don't have to. It's just about telling the story. Okay. You don't agree? No, I... To a point. Well, I mean, of course they're going to introduce new things, but nothing like, oh my God, this is crazy. I didn't know this stuff existed in this universe. You know, like, it was... I mean, even something as simple as the food that Ray gets, the two-quarter portions, you know? It's just like, okay, it's dehydrated food. You put some water on it, and it blows up, and now you got a biscuit. Okay. Yeah, that totally seems like it makes sense for the original universe. I could see Luke eating that at the moisture farm with Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, you know? Like, that makes sense. Um, 
I don't know. I, I kind of do think that, that, yes, Star Wars is about the story, but it's also about the, the these unbelievable alien beings that are just wandering around like in like like it's every day like nothing to see here everything is normal you have light oh, yeah. speed you have massive space travel you have blasters you have lightsabers i mean that's about as sci-fi as sci-fi can get dude <laughs> right but it's but it's not sci-fi in the sense of let's just say the movie alien which you know you still haven't finished um <laughs> So alien, it's like, oh, my God, there's a creature that we all don't know about and we're afraid of it or whatever. Like, that's a sci-fi movie, like a modern type of sci-fi movie where it's like even the characters in it are surprised by it. But that's why I'm saying where something like Star Wars, where it's like the universe exists and everybody in there is familiar with the universe. Nothing is new. Nothing is strange to them. You know, it's just the story. It's just their interactions. So it doesn't take away from having a good story. Because they're focused so much on this new creature or technology or whatever that's introduced. You know, they can just say, oh, yeah, it's just a such and such and move on. That's what makes a cool story. You know, when you don't have to focus so much on, on, on you know, the technical stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's my opinion. But All right. Yeah, it's there. But it's like, again, everybody's familiar with it. It's normal for them. You know, it's not normal for us, but we, we accept it because it's like, oh, that's a normal thing. It's like, oh, of course he's a Wookiee. I mean, he came from Kashyyyk. Come on. <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> okay. Not like, what is he? Oh, I think he's from Kashyyyk. I think they call them Wookiees. It's like, no, it's like, well, duh, he's, that's what he is. So that's what makes me love the Star Wars franchise, I guess, more than Star Trek. You know, I feel like Star Trek, they have to do more research to understand things, where Star Wars is kind of just like, the only thing, only research they do is like ancient studies, you know, to find out things that happen in history or whatever, and that's it. As opposed to like what's existing around them. So, um, uh, I th- I thought Mando spoke very good Tuscan Raider, uh, Tuscanian, Raiderian, whatever you want to call it. Um, the pod speeder, come on. Um, Cobb Vanth is driving a pod speeder. It was a speeder made out of a pod. You know, it could have been an old pod used for a pod race years ago. You know, same exact technology. I, I guess so. You guess so? You didn't realize that? I guess so. The speeder he's, no, he's no, riding on? No, that completely that completely went over my head. Oh, oh, dude, it was a pod. It was a pod. Like, he was riding on a pod. But anyway, there was that. <laughs> um, I'd say... One thing that was was interesting the way they did it, and I'm surprised they did. Um, so you've got you've got this character, Cobb Vanth, who's wearing this Mandalorian armor, which was Boba Fett's. Which I mean, we know Boba Fett was not a Mandalorian himself either. So it's like, okay, I'm really interested in hearing like how this all happened, how this this armor keeps getting passed down and down and down. And they were having this big battle against the crate dragon, right? And before mm-hmm. he gets into his his final big, like, sacrificial men in black moment, he turns around and and basically sets off uh, Cobb's jetpack the exact same way that uh, Boba's jetpack went off, well, that same jetpack, went off that sent him out to get eaten by the um, Sarlacc. Yes. 
Yeah, it was like he 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 smacked it in the back. Something got knocked loose, and he shot up in the air. I'm thinking, I'm like, why would you do that to somebody? Because if that thing malfunctioned, you you probably just killed the guy. He's like hundreds of feet in the air, and if that did thing's you, malfunctioning, did, did you catch <laughs> he could just fall and die. He did it. Ah, uh, what did he say? He said, "You're gonna take care of the child." Oh, did he really say that? Yes. Oh, I missed that. You gotta take care of the princess. So it was oh. it was more than just a sacrificial thing. I mean Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually I actually like the way that, that was that, that was carried out. I really don't have a problem mm-hmm. with that at all. Um No, I don't have a problem. That was funny. And it, it, speaking about, you know speaking about the Mandalorian armor that this guy has, I'm the way I love the way that it's faded. It looks like it oh, has yeah. been digested. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? It was it's it's, mm-hmm. it's incredible the way that they did that. That's something else that I that I picked up on that I just thought was it's really cool. The attention yeah. to detail all over this episode is is immaculate. So I saw I either saw or read something. Um, you know, again, it's it's all in the EU. You know, um, and in it they were talking about you know Boba Fett does survive, but when he comes out, like the armor is is like. Uh, corroded, like melted almost, and misshapen when he comes out. So they didn't quite do that here, which is fine. But still, it's like, well, how long was he really in the pit? They said, what, like a thousand years for digestion, you know? Mm. So it's like, okay. You know, he, he went in there, the stomach acids, over time, he got himself out. I mean, we'll obviously get more to that story as we start seeing it. But again, you know, it's it's good that they're following through with that and they're going to get to an explanation um so there's that but there's the end the men in black thing swallowed shocked himself out of his mouth and then detonated epic epic very very perfectly done when he comes out of his mouth he's like just stand there with his his little shock whatever rifle (laughs) and you're like what's going on like oh yeah i forgot he's got that 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 helps and then he just flies up, hits the detonator. He's like, peace. His landing was even cool, too. Just the way he landed, like a rough, a rough, like, heroic landing. It's like, all right, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely very satisfied with the way that they completed this episode. You know, I, I thought it was strange that they're all sitting there poking at the dead body afterwards. I was wondering why, <laughs> See, even why Baby Yoda was doing it. That's, that's something that I... So before they even get into the battle where they're going to go and kill the dragon, they come up with this peace treaty kind of thing. And mm. they're all going to band together and they're all going to kill this thing under mm-hmm. the agreement. One of, and one of the agreements is that the sand people want the carcass. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess I missed that part. Yeah. They, they, the, one of the agreements was we want the carcass and we will not invade or fire upon you until you do it to us type thing. Right, but the right, weird right. thing is, is they want the carcass, and then at the end of it, they're going through the carcass, and they find this orb. Yeah, big we've pearl. Seen that orb, we've yeah. seen that orb before in the first season. I thought, no, 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 there's a difference. That's a pearl. The other thing was an egg. <laughs> was it? Yeah, you think about the egg that the Jawas ate? So how do we know? Oh, you're right. They wanted Yeah, no, this, this, thing, this thing was a pearl. It's very right. different. So it's a pearl that's made inside, which you would make sense. You get a giant sand dragon. It's going to make a pearl inside. That was the whole point is they were looking for pearls. So, hmm. no, I, I, I got that after. And I'm like, okay, this makes sense. So it's a clam. 
Yeah. A clam, <laughs> clam worm dragon. <laughs> of course. I mean, what else would it be? Come on, move on. I mean, it's on Tatooine. Come on. So. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. No. I um. All in all, great episode. I mean, and then you I get, you the, get the final, the final shot, huh? I have the episode on now in the background, and yeah, I can absolutely see that it's a pod now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. But, again, and, and I'm going to keep on pressing this because I'm just so happy they did it, even though the prequels are very different than the rest. They brought back Tamora Morrison, who played Jango Fett, and obviously, you know, Boba Fett, and did all the voicing for Boba Fett when they redid the Blu-ray and all that stuff. So they're keeping their consistency here with bringing him back to be Boba. Obviously, he's got no eyebrows or hair or anything like that, which would make sense after everything he's been through. Could have been this, right. that, or whatever that he's gone through. But... Just a, a great shot to end. He's just standing up there, you know, turns around, and, and she's like, okay, you know, he's got his mission now. It's like, ah, oh, that's cool, you know? And what stinks about this is I don't usually watch a lot of TV shows, and if I do, it's usually when they're, I've got the season all available to me. You know, I binge. I binge them. Um, yep. Right now, uh, Chuck, if anybody, anybody remembers Chuck from our, our first episode talking about The Mandalorian... Um, he loves Superman. He's obsessed with Superman. He's got me watching Smallville now. So I kind of throw that on in the background, you know, while I'm working and getting stuff done throughout the day. And it's just like, oh, I'll get to the se- the season finale, and I'm just like, oh, it's a cliffhanger. I'm just like, well, I'll just put on the next disc, and I'm okay. But here, it's like you start off with this, like, every episode has this little, like, cliffhanger type thing. Like, where's this going to go? Where's it going to go? I don't have that anymore. <laughs> That's the, right. the downside about being a, uh, becoming a binge watcher t- in, you know, today's TV. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, now I have to wait a whole week. Oh, come on. But yeah, either way, it's like, but that's what that's what grabs people. That's what keeps audiences intrigued and on the edge of their seat. That's why that's, you know, TV serials, any of those things were, were made that way. It's like, will will Batman escape the Joker's grasp? Find out next week. You know, like, so <clears throat> it's it's nice to, to see that they're still doing that right now, too. So yep. at the end of this episode, you're right, because I have questions that I need answers to. <laughs> um, yep. One of which is why would Boba Fett? OK, first of all, how did Boba Fett escape? Second of we'll all, find out. why would he why would he just abandon his armor? I don't understand. <laughs> it's something I'm definitely curious about. And I don't think he would. This. That's, yeah. That's the thing. I don't think he would either. So they better answer this. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that I will say is that's a question that I need answered. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch the first season because I'm blanking on a lot of things. But I do remember there being a couple of plot points in the first season that were dropped. Um, most of them revolved around... Uh, um, Oh my god, most of them revolved around Baby Yoda. A couple of them revolved around, and I'm gonna blank on her name, help me out here, um, the woman warrior that he comes into contact with a couple of times on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I can't think of her name right now. There was a couple of things with her and her character and her motivations that just kind of got dropped off in the first season, and I was intrigued by that, and they just kind of moved on. 
that is the one negative thing that I will say about this show, is it's very episodic. One episode does not necessarily have to bleed into the next. Mandalorian has his half-hour mission, and he sees that through, and then it's on to the next thing. I do kind of wish this series was more consistent with the story that it was telling, rather than just be like, here's a half-hour plot, and it's resolved, and now we're moving on. The overarching mm-hmm. plot of the show is him getting Baby Yoda back to his, you know, his people, his race, or whatever you want to call that, and all that's fine, but it's so minor compared to everything else that's going on in this world right now. You know what I mean? Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's 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 where I'm at. Um, again, great opener, great world building. I mean, fantastic CGI absolutely fantastic out of this world when i first saw the sand moving and the dragon was underneath it it looked phenomenal it looked like a big budget motion picture and that's something Mm -hmm. that you usually don't get out of a television show you know in the first season in the first season when i'm watching this there were some scenes where i was like this looks like it belongs in the sci-fi network come on disney get it together and they absolutely did that disney got it together and the budget's through the roof and Visually, everything that I'm seeing in this episode is stunning. Even even the mountain in the background that the dragon comes out of by the end, and the dragon goes to the top of the mountain and just kind of came. It's all of it. It looks fabulous. I have zero complaints when it comes to that. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I did kind of feel bad for that one sand person though when he brings. <laughs> <laughs> when he when, when he brings the, the bantha out there, yeah. When he brings the bantha out there, and it's like, come on, bait, and the dragon wants no part of that, but he eats the samper. <laughs> Gets him instead. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, All right. Man. Well, I I think this is a great episode, um, and I'm definitely looking forward to what else they're bringing out. Um, yeah. I mean. Yeah, and I'm happy. I'm happy that we're getting back into this. This is nice. It's nice to get some time, just take a little time out, and just, you know, talk about how cool something is. <laughs> you know, the the way the world is right now, it's so divided. It's so crazy. Everybody's freaking out about the election and all that stuff as well. You know, and it's just nice to, to just get a little, get, take a little little sidetrack for a second and just talk about something that's entertaining. Um, so thank you. Um, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Will, and thanks everybody who's listening. And Absolutely. enjoy the new podcasting site. Now we got stuff up here, there, and everywhere, so that's nice. We're not just going to be restricted to YouTube. Yeah, um, a lot more information about that will be coming probably next week when I have a lot more information about what exactly it's going to be and somewhat of a schedule that you and I are going to get together and work on. But yeah. thank you for listening. Thank you for checking everything out. Um, Yeah, wherever you are, good evening, good afternoon, and good night. Peace out, homies.